And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell He scores the ball and he rebounds well Don't fight the future, here comes Luca. Even losses feel like wins When you're with your good friend Tim It's 77 minutes in heaven Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that knows the season is over. Uh, that's all Mavericks <laughs> podcast. That's every single one of them. We've been saying it for a long time. I didn't really prepare anything. I'm just launching into it. I've, I've been traveling for six hours. Um, this team's broken. It's really across. over, though. The team's really just take whatever's left of Tim Cato. Ooh. Um, I mean, it's 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 been a bizarre season. I I'm not going to tell you the season has been like harder to cover than most. It's been weirder. It's been harder to understand what's happening. It's been harder to analyze each game. Every single one of the, there are blowouts. There are close losses. There's close wins. There's random losses. There's random wins. I'm Tim Cato. I'd rather talk about the Mavericks uh, for the athletic. We've got Dave before. We've got Mike Pellucci. We've got Austin Greer. We got the whole gang here, the crew, the goons, and we are here. Feels like a wake. Three games left. Yes. Are you stealing my line? You just stole my pro- line. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a good line. Mike, and you used to edit this to guy. Did he steal a lot of lines? Absolutely. Uh, stole my What's line. A, I can't Sometimes go in that territory steal- because there might be a former general manager, Shadow Wise, who wanted to sue Tim Cato and I if I imply anything. So, no, Tim doesn't steal anything ever. Of course not. Actually, he actually doesn't steal things. It is a wake. On a, on a on a podcast when somebody says a says something that is it a wake? It feels I've like it, to, I've done it to Austin before, but it's like this yeah. is the pot like that was the time for that to be said. Is it a wake or a it. vigil? He's wait, just pulling host duties wait, right now. You're are, just like I'm we, the host. I'm yeah, just going to usurp your line. That's my job. Are we wake or vigil? Wait, wake or vigil? Okay, because a wake is before the funeral, like it's dead. Yeah, a vigil is. We we hope you're gonna make it, but we're not actually hopeful. I'll, I'll tell you what this is. I'll, I'll tell you guys. This right is a memorial right now. Realistically, no, no. This is the GoFundMe. <laughs> oh no! Oh Christ! Gosh! And and the late look. late stage capitalist. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, hey, let Space. me let me finish my summary because. I'm sure that uh, there is one person out here listening to this podcast who is not intimately aware of exactly everything going on with the Mavericks. We're a very niche podcast. <laughs> like, I, I know I'm saying things that I'm sure everybody knows, but uh, three games left. Uh, recording on Monday night, the Mavericks play Wednesday. They play Friday. They play Sunday, and then the season is over. It is not statistically. It is not uh, mathematically officially over. I don't. Like they should tank, you know. Sham Sharania reported today that they're considering resting the stars for the rest of the game, you know, the rest of the games, the rest of the way here out. That is the most, that is the best case scenario. 
that's not something we need to debate right now on this podcast. It's not a debate. It's Um, not a debate. We don't need to argue about, whoa, let's talk about the 0.01% chance that they sneak in. That's not good for the team. Even if they did it, they're losing one of the, one of the two play-in games. I mean, the first one, but they're losing one of those two. Even if Oklahoma City loses out, the Mavericks still have to go win two of the next three games. Does anybody on this podcast think they can do, go do that after everything we've seen? No, nope, not really, no. No. Okay, okay. Nope. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to ask Well, wait. It, what if Christian would... Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I just... Shut sorry. Up. So the, the Jaden Hardy oh party. God. Sorry, Jaden Hardy taking the Mavericks to the playoffs. Now, now Jaden Hardy, wait, wait, I believe. Wait, wait. Honestly, if they <laughs> I believe bench, in Hardy. <laughs> they bench Luca and Kyrie, and then yeah. the, the team goes out and wins. It like that, a, that would be if they start that would be Jayden Hardy and Theo Pinson. They're making the playoffs, right? Like that's the season that they've had. So when the team lost to the Charlotte Hornets back to back or consecutive oh. games, those were games where the team did not try. Like there was, it was no. so clear that there was a lack of effort that it looked like they had given up. What I will say about the games since then is that the team has tried, that the Mavericks have been desperate. They have put the effort in and they failed. And I don't know which is better because if there is a lack of effort, if there is something wrong with the team, that might be fixable. You know, that could be a coach that gets fired, which we can get to that. That's probably a postmortem conversation, although I think we have all expressed our clear thoughts about Jason Kidd. I that the team tried as hard as they did the past few games to salvage the season. And it just was so clear that the talent is not there, that this team, that this roster construction has such a long ways to go. Look, it's a little bit of both all at once, but I think that I've, I've seen people be very optimistic and positive about at least they, you know, gave it a shot and they failed to me. It just really speaks to how much work has to be done to this roster, to this team for them to get back to, you know, where they were just a year ago. It is now the time or, or do we wait for the funeral episode um, for you guys to, reveal what I texted when at the trade deadline. I don't remember. You're going to throw, gonna throw I, don't know. I can't remember what there's, we texted earlier today. There's some today. good guys. Dave, Dave, you think you're more memorable than you are. Guys, uh, well, I mean, our group chat, I'm pretty memorable in the Well, group no, Dave is very memorable. Like what it is is there's so much sauce in the group chat, I can't remember all of it. Sorry to tease That's all really the listeners, but here's, the group chat here's is great. It is good. <laughs> all right, so, tell us. You can't You can't leave a, a clip here's, like that. What here's my issue. Okay. Um, obviously this season's over. Okay. We're, we're, even if they make the play in, which feels unlikely cool. season's over. Okay. Yeah. But is the entire experiment over? Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the bigger question. It it just, is there anything that makes you feel like Kyrie is going to come back? I mean, this has been, One of the most negative, if we just, from the outside looking in, the experience has been negative. They have been bad. They've been way worse than they were before the trade. Um, It's been weird, not just normal and bad. It's been weird. Um, Mike, you, you got, okay, go ahead. 
look, you're I'm the dude who wrote 1900 words the day this went down, most yes. of which were all about the lead was this is going to end badly. Yes. This ain't on Kyrie. Oh, no, no, no. And I don't, I'm not blaming Kyrie. I'm not, uh, okay. and that's, and I, I hope it say, didn't I, come like, across I, that agree, way. I'm not no, trying no, no, to go no. my way to cape for the it, guy. No, but. no, 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 no. It's more what that trade sort of signified. Oh, sure. Yeah, they're desperate. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, I'm with you. But Thank here's you. the thing. I don't think the whole experiment is over by any stretch of the imagination because all they have to do, you just can't lose them for nothing. Right. And there are, there are not that many teams with cap space that I think he would actually want to go to outright. If he doesn't come back, but he says, send me to Phoenix with Kevin or send me to LA with LeBron. As long as you recoup assets, you just got to stop the bleeding of assets. That's been the last two years, of this team. If you just recoup something for him, or he says, screw it. You're going to give me the four-year max because I bet they'll offer him the four-year max because, again, desperation, and he stays. Uh, and then you suddenly have a top-10 draft pick that you can either flip or draft in a deep class. I am not willing to throw in the towel on the entire enterprise, even if this season is clearly down the drain. You could argue there is a scenario in which this season, it almost works better for them in a sense that they don't get to the playoffs because that top-10 pick, yes, I know it makes the trade scenarios more complicated, but – a top 10 pick in a good class. Dave has said this at some point, Tim and I will record this podcast with Jeff skin Wade, but a lot of us harbor this point that is bad as some of these decisions by this organization have been. And there are a lot of bad decisions. The biggest problem, which they cannot control that nobody talks about enough is Luca was way too good, way too fast. And they couldn't accrue lottery talent. Guess what you now, as long as they don't screw this up, and as I said in the last episode with Tim, it would be extremely Mavs to finish with the 12th pick and just ruin this on both ends of the spectrum. But if they do what Sham Sarani reported they're thinking about and just bench everybody, blow these games, keep your top 10 pick, there's your lottery pick you lucked into that you shouldn't have had. There is a way to turn this around big picture, even if the vibes are awful and even if the season's a disaster. Yeah, I think uh, if you look at the season from a extremely macro level, like a very God's eye level view, and you don't have to be an organization at all. After losing Jalen Brunson, if you had a season where you added Kyrie Irving and you also get a lottery pick, that's as good of a season from a talent acquisition perspective that you could have for the Mavericks. Now, it took a lot of pain to get that, and no one wanted to endure that. But from a pure talent acquisition perspective, if they get Kyrie and they resign him and they have a lottery pick... That's actually the probably 100th percentile level of talent acquisition they could have done this season. And obviously, they stink. Their their defense is honestly one of the worst defenses I have ever watched in my entire life. It's about. so bad. It's so bad. It's <laughs> I don't want them to make the playoffs because I don't want to watch them play defense anymore. It is atrocious. Their their offense is so good. You should not be able to you should not lose basketball games with with an offense this good. You shouldn't lose five out of every six basketball games. They're the worst defense in basketball. I watch them play defense and I get excited. So like, maybe I can go in there and get a bucket. Maybe I can get to the rim. Like that's, it's, it's discouraging, but this was always going to be a take their medicine season. Once they lost Jalen Brunson for nothing, they were going to have to take their medicine. Now they're taking a lot more medicine than they thought they were going to have to take. They thought they'd maybe get a nice first round or second well, round. They, I, I don't think they believe they would have to. Oh, and I, that is where for sure, a for lot sure. of the season's flaws stem from. Yeah, and but looking at their roster construction, it was pretty evident early in the season. They couldn't win games unless Lucas scored 30 points a game. 
Like they, they literally could not win games unless Luca scored 30 a game. And I think once the season started, once they got into November and December, they knew they didn't have enough. They, they entered the season with thinking that JaVale was going to be an answer, thinking that Christian Wood would, would complement the front line and he could comp- supplement Brunton scoring. But I think they knew once December and January rolled around, that they, they didn't have the horses for this race. And quite honestly, this is the best outcome for them, for them to lose out and to get a lottery pick. Them going to the plan, them going and going to the first round and going to Denver and maybe giving Denver a game or two is just not what the best, it's not the best course of action for the rest of their Lucas career here. Yeah. And look, we're going to get to a lot of this later on. Uh, not this episode next, next week, you know, when we do postmortems, when we talk about the season on a whole, I, I do think it took, like, I don't think it should have taken until November and December for them to realize that this roster was as flawed as it was. I don't think that, you know, their approach, the, the idealism of, of, you know, just believing that they could repeat um, as, as conference finalists and that they're building towards, you know, something aspirational rather than building with what they had. I think those are all mistakes and, and that we thought might happen before the year. These are all things we've said. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's been a weird season, though. Like, it is, It is like, I want to get back a little bit to the absurdity of this season. Uh, all of these games being close. Like, they haven't been blown out with Luka on the court uh, in in months. You know, the, especially, you know, in, in, in the, since the Kyrie trade, these, these are not blowout losses. These are, can't, you know, squeak it out at the very end. I mean, the Hawks, what, what was the Hawks game, if not that? What was the Hawks game? It's not just the <laughs> what was the Hawks game example. <laughs> can, I mean, what was it? First off, what was the Hawks knows, game? If anybody knows what that game was, J- it was, was a direct playing? to home movie uh, oh, that video. That's what it was. was Javale McGee and Ca- he encapsulated the whole season yes. with that quote. Not just Javale's season, but the whole season for the Mavericks. This is not the season from the movie. This is the season they reference in the movie, right? Like this is the bad season. Wow. Guys, you'll never for, we'll never forget last year, which was a nightmare when we didn't do the thing we were supposed to do. And then if next year they're good, they get to say, look at how bad we were. Look at how good we are now. JaVale's quote was so perfect. And and in a way that I don't even think he meant it to be because he was thinking about himself. I mean, even they, everything they, about JaVale that night was perfect. Well, the season coming down <laughs> to JaVale shooting free throws. And of was, course he missed. Well, no, he, no, no, no. He missed one. Right. He, he made one he missed, enough to extend this. 
until there was a dramatic way to lose. Well, dragging out your death, right? Like it's the perfect thing. Everything about that. It was just, it was chef's kiss. It was. Hey, I made, I made this point in, in an article I, I published Monday morning. It's, it's kind of the point I was making that JaVale McGee and Christian Wood are not NBA finals big men, but though like no. they shouldn't even be in a rotation. JaVale McGee has had opportunities to be in an yeah. NBA finals rotation when he was more athletic, younger, nominally better. Yeah. And you go in a look system at that fit wins. him better. You go look at the game logs. He gets phased out every year throughout yeah. the postseason. This yeah. He's not playing by the time the finals rolls around. This Christian was... Wood is similar where this is not a player who the Mavericks, you know, they they knew the right role for him on a finals team. A bench scorer, you know, somebody who came in and maybe gave you, you know, 15 points in 20 minutes. Sometimes less, fewer minutes, sometimes maybe a little bit more, depending on matchups. They're not a finals team. And this is that, you know, idealism, that the pragmatism, you know, this is that idea that, you know, oh, the they almost salvaged the season by pairing those two players together that are very flawed players and not the type of players they want to build around. And then I look across the court and I see John Collins, who is the, you know, Spider-Man meme of Christian Wood. And John Collins is paired with a shot blocking center. And John Collins plays about 30 minutes a night for the Hawks. And John Collins has been trying, like Atlanta has been trying to trade him for Uh 32 years, like since his birth. (laughs) They don't want him. I don't even think he's 32. Yeah, he's not. Like, he's younger than that. He's like 27 or something. Atlanta doesn't want John Collins. They don't see him as a piece that they can build a finals contender with. But they still play him every night. And look, Christian Wood is, is look, Spider-Man meme aside, they're different players. I'm not, I I don't know if Christian Wood getting 30 minutes a night saves the season. I Quite frankly, don't no, think it does. No, hell Absolutely no. Absolutely does not. No, we're but not dude, doing this. No, we're not doing <laughs> this. This is what I mean. No, saves I, this, the season. This one, Do they have this a few is more a wins? hypothetical I will not entertain. Jason Kidd was right. I said he was. Yeah, we all I did. said he was right and broadly. that's it. Yeah, Do you see- that's not saving the season. Um, if they, if they, well, if they saving just, the season is, is a relative no, term. I think right. that their if season they make no might trade. end up in the best case scenario with what they had. But if you're trying to maximize winning, which I'm told that they were trying to do, they did not win the margins. They did not maximize winning. They've leaned on these same players that can't get it done, but are more something than these flawed players who aren't going to be on the team long term, are not part of these, you know, more expansive plans that they have. But in one game, we saw how they, you know, maybe could have helped. And look, the same goes for JaVale McGee. He, right. The first half of the season, he was one of the worst players I've ever seen. Ever. And he's done The second stuff. half of the season, in very limited minutes that I don't trust, he's been better. He's been okay here and there. Probably should have got more run out when this was the worst defense we have ever seen in our entire lives. But look, that's not fixing anything. But if they're trying to win, you know, it, it, I, guess, I guess it matters because, like, look, if, if everything goes right in swimmingly and they get – that, you know, maybe they even jump up to, like, the fourth pick and they get a Thompson twin, you know? Fun stuff like that, which doesn't happen to this team. Like, they've literally never jumped up in the lottery. Right. But maybe all that happens, and maybe the best-case scenario plays out. You're still left with the question of, did the coach 
maximize what he was trying to do throughout the season. And so that's another big question that may be too big to unpack fully on this episode. But, you know, that's that's where it represents something to me. And I think you're right in that this is an absurd season. Yes, their defense is horrible and they don't deserve to go to the playoffs. But they also could have just gotten lucky. They had so many games. I think they're, what, one of 13 on last-second shots to tie or go ahead. If they just if Luca makes four more shots, they go to the playoffs. They have a lot of there's a lot of 50-50, literally one possession decisions that maybe swing their season. Doesn't mean that they're good. I don't think they're good. I don't believe in this team. I don't believe in anything that they're trying to do in the playoffs. I don't think they're built for that. But they could have lucked into having a better record, uh, just off based off of a few possessions, even if even with not maximizing the full roster. And so they're even though I think their defense is atrocious, they're not far. They're not so far that they can't make a few adjustments this offseason to be to not I mean not be a finals team, but to be back in the playoff mix next year. Sure. Yeah, look, there will be there will be some regression on that shooting luck at the end of games and just on the sheer number of close games that they played and lost that many of them, right? Like there will be some improvement just inherently there. Will that be enough by itself? No, they have to do more things. And yeah, that's where the brain trust comes in. And it's really funny that like everything we knew about what this team was or what we thought, like we've always had, we've had this meta discussion before, not really meta, but just like macro discussion about like, all right, what are you going to learn about this new front office? Because things we thought we knew about the Mavericks might not apply anymore. What do we know about them for years? They were terrible at drafting, but they made good margin calls at the back end of their, of their bench, and they were smart at the trade market. I'm really more and more convinced it's the total opposite now, right? They haven't made good trades in a while. They haven't found where is the Brandon Basses? Where are the and there you could, where are the Brandon Wrights? Those players that they took who were everybody else's Fs and turns them into C minuses, useful ninth guys. There's a skill there that they don't have right now, but. If they get this top 10 pick, you know what? I bet they're going to draft somebody good because they drafted Luca. They drafted Jalen Brunson in the second round. Josh Green is NBA player. Jaden Hardy is a massive hit. The only two guys recently who they whiffed on, one was Tyrell Terry, who it's very obvious now had mental health issues that were bigger than basketball. You can't blame that on that. But also, I liked him. He was a good player. He's a good player. Sure. That's I'm saying like he his agent has flat out made statements about how, hey, his mental health was not great. Yeah. That's bigger. That's not Dallas's fault. Right. They whiffed on Tyler Bay. One bad pick in the last four years. And who is a second round pick until proven otherwise. They're probably going to draft somebody good now, but they'll just do the other stuff to where I don't trust them to make trades. and I don't trust them to make margin moves now. It's bizarre. Yeah. I don't get how we're here, but we're kind of here. What's their pro personnel department look like right now? I mean, Pedro? like. Let's let's yeah, we'll, we'll, we can we'll talk just, about all that. In, we'll in we'll a, save that for the group chat. Here, here's what I wanted to say. I mean, I, I can I can tell you all this. I mean, I I've talked about, you know, even who made the picks, you know, that that draft. And it's two people, you know, it's one it's one person who's no longer with the team, quite infamously. Uh Halara Bob. Uh what I was gonna say is this. I think that that Marge, those margin moves, the winning, the small stuff, the getting scrap heap players has covered up the fact that Mark Cuban's Mavericks at some at after the title stopped wanting good players and chased great players. I think we've seen this over and over and over again. 
like the very fact they traded away Harrison Barnes for nothing oh. for cap space that they didn't use. Yeah. This is a team. This is a franchise. Mark Cuban's franchise has not valued good players. Like we're talking handing out 20 million has been something he is not willing to do. He will hand out a max contract to a star. He will hand out 10 to a role player. This team has not look at the past decade. They have not had like fourth options, fifth options. It's what we've been saying. If you just bumped everybody down a couple pegs in the pecking order, this team would be good. And they've had top end talent and they've chased far more top end talent than they've actually acquired, but that's what they've done. Now they have a couple, you know, you know, now they actually have a one and a two, you know, or in this moment, they have a one and a two, but they <laughs> do not slower. have starters. They don't have, you know, they don't have people they pay 15, 20 million to. It has not been a priority of this team. And so how and when that changes, how that has affected so much of the past years, how it put the Mavericks in the spot, I think is, is just, that's the story. That's the story to me. It's going to continue be, to be the thing I talk about it and write about over the the next few weeks and it's yeah it's 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 why it's why this team is what this team is but i also think that it's not i mean you're absolutely right they have not chased those good players those 20 18 and 22 million dollar players that would make this roster much better but now i don't even think they can do that with the new cba and how penalizing being over that second apron is with that new CBA and they're already over it. Like they, they're, they're not, they're going to be pretty hamstrung once the new CBA comes in. And so they're, they're probably going to have to just make this pick and hope that this person is good enough on their rookie scale deal to, to really contribute because they're, they're not going to have the space or the resources or the finances to get a lot of those mid tier players, especially if they resign Kyrie and they have Luca already on his max deal. Josh Green has to get his extension. I mean, at some point, Jaden Hardy's probably going to get his extension. It's just, it's they're they're in a real pickle. It's going to be really tough for them to really navigate this. If only they could trade for like a Jalen Brunson type, you know, like man, like the like thirteen for 15, 55 million. I think that would be like a great man. number. To well, have jo- like jokes aside, you get these good players right through the draft. And you got to keep so- them. And, and we all know, we all know the Mavericks and drafting. Yes, they've hit on a few recently. They've done okay. The people making the picks. Nico Harrison has a track record of one draft pick, Jaden Hardy. Right. The people drafting the players have a 100% success rate on one player. I understand where your optimism is coming from, Mike Pellucci. I, I, there are different people making the decisions now sure. than we're making them. So there's there's the player person. Like I don't I don't need to. Jaden Hardy's going to be the starting guard who, next season. You know, right? is in that front office. That's a good and, draft and, pick. <laughs> you know, if you can again? draft a guy, if you can draft a guy one year and he's starting for you in his second year, that's a good early draft second pick. round pick. Yeah, Look, right? I'm willing. I'm willing to have some optimism for the masses right now. I'm trying to convey positivity. They're, well, I mean, I, I don't. Vibes. I don't think we have to think that the Mavs are. You know, being one of one is good. <laughs> I'm not saying otherwise. I'm just saying. I mean, not, I could be. I could a... play devil's advocate here and say that as much as you want to say that the player personnel, you know, decision makers are different. The one person who really controls everything in perpetuity in this organization, who signs off on everything more than most owners do, has been here for all of these picks that have hit. And you know, 
Just putting it out there. But you're right. And Mark Cuban hasn't he Mark Cuban doesn't get draft picks wrong. So he, he just doesn't want draft picks. You know, he views Well, you might have to have them now because it's the one draft thing picks that he's done decently over the last five years. Although, although, although this I do not know this. It's been hinted once or twice, you know. Uh, but in a way that is just kind of kind of in the way I'd I'd be very curious. Lie detector tests, those don't work, those are fake. But if there's one thing I could truly get Mark to answer, I'd be very curious if he actually had Luka number one. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I mean... Uh, people have asked me that question. All the basketball people did. I'll, I'll just say straight up, all the basketball people did. Um, not everybody in that not, not, not everybody in that draft room had him number one. Even oh, in that... Oh, you mean number one for them? Yeah, on the on the board. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, not everybody um, in that room did, but there's there's been a lot of turnover. I don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. Anyway, yeah. we're we're going too well, far into Trey things, Young. Just totally what I the want the to Trey say Young Luca debate is still open because Trey Young hit a couple of free throws the other day. <laughs> so. On a foul that like. Might not have been a foul. It might not have been called. A, and Dallas think, I actually down. think it was an offensive foul. So um, and, yeah, I'm and not going to sit here and split hairs about that game because, uh, frankly, the Mavericks deserve to lose that game. The oh, final I, possession of regulation, which I we, haven't talked about to, it. we haven't talked any hoops on this pod, but the final possession of regulation. I, man. 20 seconds left, two timeouts. You have the ball out of bounds. Call a fucking timeout. Call a timeout. Call a timeout. Call a timeout. <laughs> call call a timeout. Call a timeout. You call a timeout. Wait. Call Tim. Call a timeout. We're talking call about practice. Go to Wait, timeout. Dave. Stop. Stop. Call a timeout. <laughs> Run a play. You know what Do, else they did? Wait. Wait. Stop. Call a timeout, then run a play, and then 
try to make it a quick play because there's 20 seconds left and you're down two and maybe you can get an offensive rebound. But if you don't, you can play the foul game. But dribbling the ball down and doing nothing for 18 seconds was the most infuriating thing I have watched from this infuriating Dallas Mavericks team all season long. And I'm sorry to go super dramatic here, but that last 20 seconds of basketball broke my basketball brain. You have two timeouts left. You're not catching the Hawks in transition. You don't have some sort of advantage. You're doing nothing. Is there a coach? God, a player should have known to call timeout in that situation. There is a disconnect on the basketball side of this team that, I mean, I don't want that. I shut it down, blow it up. That possession was enough for me. Sorry, that that's my basketball talk for today. They took a uh, they took a foul to give, with a slight margin for the shot clock, and the game clock. Um, it's coming down to the end. I, I man, I don't have it in front of me. I can't remember if it was regulation or, or overtime. Period. It was overtime. either way. You're on the. It was overtime. Thank you. And it's in overtime. Second out of a back to back season on the line. They took a foul to give, and a it wasn't that somebody got beat and had to foul. They took a foul to give that reset the shot clock that gave Atlanta the chance for the final shot. And basically it's look, it is a couple seconds of difference between the game clock shot clock. They matter though, Tim, they, those, but they had, they had timeouts to take. What you do when you take that foul to give is you say, we're going to trust the defense. That's it. And we're not going to give ourselves any chance for another shot. And would you trust Trusting that defense? the defense over the offense <laughs> in that instance? Not only that, but trusting the defense while playing for a tie <sighs> or playing for another overtime on the just second night of the back-to-back when you're it's already in overtime. That, uh, that one made no sense. I, I have say, a theory. I have a theory here, guys. What's and that because Austin? That I Austin actually, go, sorry, Austin. I didn't mean to cut you. I'll I, I, I just say that the connection between both the places that you guys mentioned running that clock out at the end of regulation, taking the foul, it's one guy. It's Luka Doncic. He he controls end of possessions, and honestly, I, I don't know it how It was to, bad. I don't know how to parse what is a Luka decision and what is a Jason Kidd decision at the end of games because I I think it's mostly Luka-driven, and it's... That's just. That's I have a thing. theory. Luka took that I foul. have a theory. I don't, I don't know. If Luka, Luka did take. Luka took oh, the did foul. He? Yeah. Okay. 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 I have a theory. I'm with you, Ben. I think Jason Kidd, as a player, knows exactly what to do. I think his track record is solid as yeah. a player. And I think as a coach, he trusts his players too much. End of game. That's it. I think Jason Kidd knows the game better than the guys he's trying to coach. And if he would just interject himself and his experience a little bit more down the stretch instead of trusting these guys, because I think Jason Kidd is actually a player's coach. Seems like these guys like Jason Kidd for the most part. 
the vibes are generally okay, even when they're losing sometimes. It seems like he maybe trusts them a little bit too much. Jason Kidd needs to coach this damn team. I mean, if I mean, it's too late well, at this what, point. But I think what makes him frustrated and fed up is that they don't intuitively see the game in That's, the same way yes. that he does. This is a great player paradox, I think, with coach. Like, when yeah. great players try yeah. to become coaches, very few of them have ever succeeded, right? Like, Larry Bird was a good coach, and he didn't do it very long. And I think part of that is – they don't necessarily understand why you're not great. Like Dwight Howard never knew why he was a great player. The guy would not set screens for uh, Steve Nash, the greatest pick and roll ball handler in the history of the NBA. He wouldn't set screens for him, not realizing that Dwight Howard's superpower was being a screen and roll big. He wanted post-ups. When he was in Orlando, even though he was bad at post-ups and amazing at, at the pick and roll. Great players, greatness sometimes have a hard time recognizing their own greatness, why they're great, but also why can't you just be great? And I think that's Jason Kidd's issue. Okay, but here's what's unique about that, because I think we've known that before. But there are a lot of great players, and Jordan is always the example of that too, right? You know, you heard those stories about how he broke Kwame Brown psychologically. Yeah. What's Plenty unique about guys. this, if your theory is right here, and I've wondered this too is the idea of you can't transmit it, but if he's passive too, right? This idea that I know better, but now I'm not going to tell you because I really think that my philosophy as a player should match my philosophy as a, as a coach. Because remember, when Jason Kidd came here the second time, he told Rick Carlisle, listen, man, I'm calling the place. And that was the first thing that had to fall in place for that team to win was Rick, the control freak, letting go and saying, Jason, do your thing. Because Jason was like, I'm on the floor. I got this. And guess what? He was right. But, and this is a weird thing that I am really curious about, if he actually was consistent in his philosophy, because a lot of these guys are not consistent. They say, do as I say, not as I do. If Jason's actually consistent in his philosophy of, yeah, the guy on the floor should control everything, and he does that as a coach too, of you guys figure it out, because when I was a player, I wanted to figure it out, that's what's different. I don't see a lot of great players who say, I know better than you as the player, and then when they're the coach, say, you know what, I'm going to let you figure it out, because I want to coach like the player I was. They usually just let the ego take over. So that's the real interesting piece to this. And, you know, there's a whole other conversation that Tim probably understands even better because he's close to this mess. But that's Look, the The guy said, I'm just watching like y'all. Oh, yeah. I, I don't oh, yeah. know how <laughs> anyone can be like, this guy has a huge ego because, I mean. I, well, if you take and, it at face value. Or some right. people think he's scapegoating. I'm, I'll take it at face value because I, I just don't know how to navigate life if I can't take people at, at face value, but but the truth is, I, I mean, I think like shows a lack of ego. His lack of coaching shows a lack of ego. Hey, no, nobody's dying. That's true. If well, that's the, whole, the bar, like, we're good. Well, the, the whole bit about like, I only have so many tools at my disposal to affect the game as the coach thing, right? Like, again, like how much of this, you know, and this is the open question. How much of this is, do you believe he's scapegoating? How much of this is, do you believe this is just Jason Kidd believing what he believed as a player and trying to keep that consistent? Because Jason Kidd, the player, Jason. was basically like, stay away from me. I'll figure this out myself. Jason Kidd, come he's on one the, of the podcast. Greatest of all time. Yeah. We got to get Jason Kidd to be the, painting with all the, the paintbrushes. The soda with all the colors, like Picasso. You well, know? He's got to touch the car. He's got to, you got to let him touch the car. Feel the car. Yeah. All right. This has been a 
wild roller coaster of a podcast that had no real direction. Um, greatest pot except... of all time. There was good shit in here, guys. There was greatest good shit. Yeah, there was good time. shit in here. You this out to it the end no with us. You got something out of this. But it's just a rambunctious, rambling ride of Mavs talk. I think we have a uh, look again. The season's over. Even over means that if somehow they make it to the play-in, it's not going long past that. And so when it's over. We're gonna have. I've got some fun ideas. We've got some fun ideas. We're gonna we're we're gonna be back for that. Uh, I'll have another episode later this week with uh, another media member, or at least that's the plan. Uh, who is equally confused with Mavericks as I am, and uh, we'll go from there. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see ya. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. in heaven